Here's a few exciting scenes from tonight's episode of the Tom Gully Show. You you have cancer, so I can't interrupt you. If you were if you were without cancer, oh, please, I'd, no. I'd be a prick. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, no, yeah, I went to the bathroom today, and blood didn't come out. So today's a good day. Oh, we're cool because cube. that's my favorite way to get out of work early. Is you know, hey, can I go home? I don't really have that much to. Do. I don't know. I need you to work after the Jenkins and I found blood in my stool. Maybe you better go home. And I ended up selling Cialis to Bill, uh, to BB King. I, I'll, I'll give you a world exclusive. This is something I, I don't think I've ever told anybody on the air. Due to some violent content, parental discretion is advised. It's time, America. Mr. and Mrs. North and South American, all the ships at sea, let's go to press. So sit back, buckle in, place your tray table in its upright locked position, and get ready for big time radio, friends. It's time for... Monday, November 4th, 2013, episode 181. I'm Tom Gully, and tonight on The Tom Gully Show, Dave Lerman, by any measure, has been associated with some of the biggest names in show business. From opening in over 60 cities for Sam Kinison to being a regular with his comedy partner Doug on The Howard Stern Show to WrestleMania to his own cable TV show at 16 to a whole lot more. And sadly, Dave Lerman is extremely ill with cancer. He'll talk about it along with his career and sex with Jessica Hahn and getting kicked off Dr. Phil along with plenty of Howard Stern and Sam Kinison recollections. It's the real life struggle and the wild 30 year entertainment journey of showman Dave Lerman tonight on the Tom Gully Show. I am the Tom Gully Show Podcast Translator 3000. Translating newsmakers for humans. Translating Bristol Palin. Um, regardless of what I did personally, I just, I just think that abstinence is the only way that you can effectively 100% foolproof way to prevent pregnancy. Translation. Here's how my special brand of abstinence works. First I find a muscle-bound simpleton. Then I let him pin my ankles behind my head and pound me like a veal cutlet, encouraging him to thrust his throbbing love sickle into my pulsating meat wallet. Over and over and over again, banging me like a screen door in a hurricane, filling my tampon tunnel with his man mustard. Then, later, believe it or not, 
I get $20,000 for giving a speech on abstinence. Kind of like a guy with one hand, getting $20,000 to talk about lawnmower safety. This has been the Tom Galicio Podcast Translator 3000. Good day. Hi, I'm going to speak to Dave Lerman, please. Yeah, you're speaking to him, man. I'm the only guy here. <laughs> I'm the elephant in the room. <laughs> That's okay. I, How you doing this? I'm, How you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you today? Awesome. All right. Awesome. All right. Challenging well, day yesterday, but, uh, you know, I, I beat it. I always do. I'm, I'm the one guy who makes the impossible possible. So, uh, yeah. I thought Every the, day the guy awesome. that invented Viagra was the guy that made the impossible possible. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is 100% true. <laughs> I, have, I have a great Viagra story. I used to... Um, uh, when when I was in Los Angeles, I um, would do a lot of clinical trials, and I talked about this uh, on the Stern Show. So I was actually involved in the clinical trial for Cialis, which is another yeah. you know erection uh, pill, another <laughs> dick, dick drug. So yeah. I, 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 what's that? It's another dick drug. Right. No, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would just get surplus amounts of this stuff because um, I, I was just dating. I wasn't really seeing anybody. And I ended up selling Cialis to Billy, uh, to BB King. And oh, I, yeah. And, and the thing was, it was, uh, I, I had met his manager up at universal city walk and, um, I, I, I had to uh, explain to him, you know, how I had uh, come into, I really don't remember what the conversation was, but it ended up, well, um, BB could really use those and he doesn't like to go to doctors uh, because he's famous. Um, can you hook me up? And I was like, absolutely. And it was like, I, I would get, Literally, I would get calls at like three o'clock in the morning from this guy, um, and he says, "Hey, can, can can you come out to the valley? BB uh, King really needs some stuff." And I'm like, "Dude, it's three o'clock in the morning." Well, you know, and then when I went home, I, I always thought, you know. Am I going to be the guy that killed BB King by selling him Cialis? And I, I don't want to be the Kathy Evelyn Smith in the John Belushi scenario. Yeah, yeah, you're the guy. <laughs> but but had, luckily, you know, he's he's, he's alive and kicking. And man, uh, he, had, he had some nitrates. For a guy that age, what's that? Yeah, maybe someday he got a hold of some nitrates and some fish or something, and you're the one that, right. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. pushed him over the edge. But clearly, the thrill was not gone. No, it was Especially not. <laughs> excellent, excellent uh, segue there. Well, awesome. You know, well, you know, I tell you what. See, I knew this was going to happen. See, we haven't even officially started, and you've already busted out of the gates with this freaking hey, incredible. Hey, no problem. Let's keep BB it going. Let's rock and roll, man. Okay, okay. Let me, my let, head. Let me get. Let me just get like the official crap out of the way, and then you can just not do a thing problem. Uh, Dave Lerman is a bona fide media personality extraordinaire. Um, you know, before anybody else was figuring out ways to jump ahead of the rest of people in like a reality show way, Dave Lerman had already figured out a way to do it, had done it and, and been there and come back after bursting onto the scene. 30 years in show business. Yeah. 30 years in show business. I started when I was 15. Well, after bursting onto the scene in the nineties as a regular on the Howard Stern show, 
along with his comedy partner, Doug. He went on to dabble in the worlds of pro wrestling, news shows, court shows, just pretty much anything he decided to do. And importantly, uh, Dave Lerman is also dying of cancer, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Uh, I, I didn't want to leave that out. Uh, hey, not a problem, but I'm going to beat it. I really am. And, right. I, and I truly believe that, you know, when you're faced with adversity, uh, you know, my comedy partner, Doug, was two feet six in a wheelchair and weighed 90 pounds. He had muscular dystrophy and he lived well into his 30s. And most doctors said, you know, he's not going to live, you know, past 20. His brother passed away at 16, who also had muscular dystrophy. And when I have that as my lineage, um, I, I live every day with the philosophy, never give up. Uh, yeah, all right, maybe cancer is going to kick my ass, but you know what? I say I'm going to kick cancer's ass. Uh, it's been in remission for a while. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm fighting a good fight. And as, as, as we will soon talk about, you'll see my illustrious life. And, <laughs> and I hope that, that, that people are inspired by the fact because a lot of people, when they're diagnosed with cancer, they just, they quit, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I don't do that. Uh, you know, uh, I, I just, my life has been such an amazing journey and I, I remembered last night uh, something that Rodney Dangerfield uh, told me and he said Dave live every moment like it's your last and I was like fucking that's Rodney Dangerfield yeah and I was like cool you know all right, let's continue. Sorry to digress. <laughs> oh no, that's that's my hey, my show has been called by a lot of media analysts a internet digression. It's it's not even an actual conversation. It's it's all one hundred percent digression um, because to have actual conversation might uh, indicate an intent or an actual ability to generate a rational thought. So we like uh, digression. I mean, that's great. Fantastic. Um, now, so welcome to the show, which seems kind of anticlimactic. Now, now, this is something I thought about last night, because I, I did okay. a lot of research on Dave Lerman, because I knew about you, but wow. I, mean, I wanted to really, oh, I've read interview. I've done the whole bit. Wow. And, and I thought, it, now, now I have to ask you this question, and I hope you don't, sure. take, don't take offense to it, I, I certainly will not. If, See, man, I work with Sam Kinison and yeah. Howard Stern. I <laughs> okay. think taking offense is not in my vocabulary. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> point well taken. Is this a bit? I mean, are you are you doing a bit that you know uh, Dave Lerman's dying, and so you get into like the National Enquirer? No, you know, I, I I really wish I was. Yeah. You know, uh, and that, that's a very legitimate question because, as you know, my occupation as a showman, a lot of people think that. Um, no, I have to tell um, you, and, 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 well, and you know, yeah, when 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 push comes to shove, uh, I'll just uh, a photo scan a doctor's note. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, I I wish it was, but unfortunately, it's not. Well, um, the reason, and what part of the reason I asked that is, I'm like, God, I would, I'm one of the few people that would like consider it an honor, if it was a bit, to have it played on me. 
by the great Dave Lerman. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the greatest you know, I, I, hoax I, I, of all and, time. And to... that's such a legitimate question. <laughs> and I, here, here, here's here's the horrible truth. I wish it was a bit. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, and and you know, I'm I'm not gonna. Um, well, yeah, I will. Um, a lot of people said the same thing about Andy Kaufman. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I'm I'm very close friends with Bob Zamuda, who's the guy who did Comic Relief and was Andy's manager and uh, does, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Tony Clifton. Oh, my God, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, and I've, I've had these talks with, with Bob, and it, it would be amazing, and he said the same thing when Andy was uh, dying. He, he, he said... I wish it would have been a bit, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, but I'm, I'm not letting it stop me, um, you know? And, I, you know, I, I keep certain things private about my life. Um, but, you know, when you go to the bathroom and blood comes out, wow. Yeah. You know, uh... that's, that's an epic wake-up call. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it, it's... It's a rough road, but a guy like me, I'm I'm so gonna beat this. Well, you're I one, really you're, am. You're one of these dudes, man. I call you an entertainment entrepreneur because, Thank like, you. you're you're like a guy that is always looking for a way to be entertaining people or to be in showbiz or to find a way to you know leverage the media in a way that makes you more successful and more out there. I think it's really, really cool. And that's what's so fascinating about all of the things that you've done. And you mentioned it. You've worked with Sam Kinison. You've worked with, with Howard Stern. Um, your particular outlook on what you're going through right now, um, do you joke about it a lot? And do you allow other people to joke about it? Is that a way that you get through it? Yeah, um, and, and I hope it's, it's inspiring. Um, I, you know, I, my, my signature bit that I wrote was, uh, my, my late comedy partner, Doug Beatty had muscular dystrophy and he hated Jerry Lewis. Uh, and <laughs> we, you know, we, we, uh, toured 60 cities with Sam Kinison. We played Madison square gardens. And I think I learned from Doug that you don't let a disability, um, get you down or what you do is, you know, he, and this is why we're a great tag team. Um, he would use his disability like a man would use a gun. He would just murder people, uh, with comedy. And it, it was fantastic the way that, you know, what we did, um, there, there were really no disabled comics at that time and there's there's still not um i can't think of one person that is a comedian who is in a wheelchair or you know uh seriously it, it was, disabled you know yeah i mean like yeah so you know when when i got diagnosed with cancer <clears throat> i you know I, I i thought back to my life with doug and I said, I'm, I'm not going to let this uh, destroy me, because a lot of people do. I, I'll, I'll give you a world exclusive. This is something I, I don't think I've ever told anybody on the air. 
my sister was 38 and she had cancer and she killed herself. Oh man. I'm sorry to hear that. True story. Yeah. Um, and you know, she, she was in hospice and they let her out and, you know, she just couldn't deal with the pain. Um, and she was the person that took me, you know, to my first concert when I, you know, when I was a, a young guy, you know, at like 10, 11 years old. And she was such an influence on me. Um, I, I think that really also contributes to my outlook on how I'm dealing with this. So, you know, I, 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 I've, I've lost so many people uh, through, you know, various ways. You know, I remember going to Kinison's funeral and how awkward and weird that was. Um, but I, I think life experience gives me the tools to deal with what I have to deal with. I mean, seriously, uh, as long as you can wake up and take care of yourself, you've got nothing to worry about. Um, I'm not a religious guy, but I certainly believe in faith and uh, making the best out of uh, a bad situation. To, to quote the late, great Tupac Shakur, I can make a dollar out of 15 cents. <laughs> Anytime you can quote Tupac, you know you're on the road to light <laughs> and truth. Um, hey, you know, uh, let's talk about like the road that you started on way, way, way back. Because oh, sure. a, another thing that, that like you've got going for you, and I don't know, maybe the average person doesn't realize it, and, and they might after we talk about all the things you've done, um, showbiz is largely rejection. I mean, you, you put yourself out there, put yourself out there, put yourself out there, and people say no to you, even if you're super successful, probably a little bit more, at least at first, then they say yes. So you kind of get used to taking it in the chops and keep you know uh, moving forward, and you've done a billion things. Where did it start? Where did you grow up, and where did you first realize, hey, I, I want to help like entertain people? Uh, that's a, a fantastic question. And when I first realized um, that I wanted to be a showman uh, and I wanted to be an entertainer, it was in uh, Southfield, Michigan. And cable TV, this was uh, <laughs> 1983, I think. Uh, and cable TV had just come into your home. Uh, before that, there was like a set-top box called On TV. And for some oh, of your older man. listeners, they'll remember it because you, you would get premium programming from 8 to 11. And, you know, when, when cable TV first came out, I was like, this is fantastic. This is the most amazing thing ever. Um, and to, to get a, a, a franchise in the area, they had to have a, a public access channel and a local channel. Right. Um, and so I, I was watching, it was Continental Cable Vision. I was watching, I go, I want to be on this. I so want, I was kind of, you know, a misfit, uh, first year in high school, uh, freshman in uh, Southfield Lathrop High. Oh, boy, yeah. I, 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 I said, all right, how do I do this? 
And I, there was a, a woman, Barbara Johnson Lowe, who was doing a kids program, kind of like, you know, Captain Kangaroo or Mr. Dress Up, that kind of thing, or the Muppets on Sesame Street. So I saw in the credits her name and a phone number to contact if you, you know, wanted to be a part of the show. Well, I called her up and I said, um, hi, I, I saw your show. It's fantastic. Um, I, I love another show called Siskel and Ebert. And she said, yeah, it's the movie review show. I said, how about having a teenager on your channel review movies? And she was like, that's a great idea. Next day, my mom, you know, I, I only had a learner's permit you know, to drive <laughs> a car. My mom drove me to the Continental Cablevision um, studios and what happened next was amazing. I started just doing, you know, movie reviews from a teenage point of view um, to it got into an entertainment feature show for teenagers. And uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to plug one thing. Uh, if anybody wants to see some great clips from when I was 15, just go to D-A-V-E.L-E-R-M-A-N at Facebook. Um, when I was doing that at 15, I was doing something that nobody had ever done. And I had the pleasure of interviewing people like the Bangles and Madonna and the Beastie Boys and all these things. And we got picked up by the USA Network um, and my show, Coming Attractions, followed uh, another show called Dance Party USA. Um, <laughs> I remember and it that. Was, it, yeah, it was, it was the 5 o'clock block. Uh, from 5 to 5.30, you had this Dance Party USA show, which was kind of like a, a, a redo of American Bandstand, but it was phenomenal. Oh, it was awesome, uh, man. That and, was back and in then, the day when that was like, there wasn't as much ready access to porn as there is now. And Dance Party USA, for many boys of that age... Yeah, I mean, I, destination I, I, my, my, my greatest memory was when, you know, several years later, because um, I kept in contact with a lot of the dancers on the show, I ended up making out with Kelly Ripa, oh who was a, a regular God. on the show. And just, you know, to, to have that in my arsenal of great conquest, oh, um, it, it was awesome it was incredible you know um dave i gotta i gotta tell you something and and this is something else that i i uh had come to mind when i was reading your story because uh, okay. i think the wrestling interview you mentioned that you grew up in southfield or detroit uh -huh. i uh lived in and worked there in southfield for quite some time and uh uh, there's some guys that I know that are from Royal Oak that I got to think that you know or know of. Uh, one is named Chris Gore. I work for Chris Gore. Oh, Film yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, man. Yeah. Uh, but, oh, yeah. But there's a, there, 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 there is an amazing article that, uh, yeah, uh, I was... I've lost touch with him, but I was very, very close with Chris. Yeah, I also worked uh, for Chris at, at, for Film Threat and actually slept in the offices there in Royal Oak. I would drive up and I, I produced a little short film with him and stuff. So the other is a 
comic book illustrator named Greg Feakston. Don't know that guy. Yeah, he had a, a place, uh, a little print shop down uh, the street from Gore's place. But anyway, I figured you would know Gore. I figured you oh, would course. know Gore. Okay, so you... Huge, huge, huge supporter of Doug and Dave. Uh, and uh, a, a, a tremendous guy. And a, a visionary because he, like myself, kind of got what it does to make it in show business and, and creating your own niche to just throw back to that question. When you said a lot of people, you know, are trying to be actors and entertainers and stuff. And it's, it's, it's very rough. Um, and it's, it's hard. Uh, and if you don't mind, I will, uh, certainly, um, qualify that, uh, I, uh, when, when I do television shows uh, in, in the reality genre, I try to teach people what I do, and nine out of ten times, they just don't get it. I don't think that it's a teachable practice uh, of what I do, and it's, it's a shame uh, because I, I would love to you know, kind of share this gift with people, but man, when I go on a date and the girl I'm with says, so what exactly do you do? And I go, well, uh, I started with a TV show when I was 15. Then I teamed up with a handicapped midget in a wheelchair who hated Jerry Lewis. And uh, then I started going on game shows until I did so many that I couldn't do any more. Then I started going on talk shows and court shows. Uh, and, I, I, you know, and, and the girl's out the door. She's like, whoa, bye. You know? So instead I'm like, well, uh, I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're an entertainment entrepreneur. Yeah. And, and you know what? I think you're right. I don't think you can teach it. Uh, I think Gore is so innately able to, and, and, and Howard, of course, is the king of the, the people, innately able to sniff out exactly what is going to resonate with people. Um, yeah. They can look at a situation. Yeah, and and, and that, that's, that's another secret to my success. When you worked for Sam Kinison, who was, you know, the Lenny Bruce of our time. Uh-huh. You know, I, I, I was born after Lenny Bruce died, you know. Um, uh, but then you segue into working with Howard Stern. Uh, it's to have those people teach you what's right and wrong. You, you, you can't buy that. It's, it, it's so amazing it, to be able to just look back at my life and, and know exactly how I continued to take it to another level. And two people, one who's still here, who if I ever press the panic button, I can, I can call Howard Stern and he'll help me out. He, he has that much respect for me and we have remained friends after, uh, you know, Doug passed away. When, when Doug passed away, I, I lost a lot of people um, because Again, as a tag team, it, would, it was like uh, Abbott without Costello, Laurel without Hardy. Um, and no one really took me serious after Doug passed away because people thought it was all him. And I reinvented myself 
And since then, I have consistently uh, eclipsed everything I do. And it's, uh, again, and you did the research. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, it, it's been an amazing life. And I'm not going to say that it was easy, because it wasn't. When, when you, you gotta hustle, really man. have to... You got to hustle. You got to hustle to do what you've done. You got to be... Man, oh, you got to well, be yeah. spinning plates yeah, call, call and absolutely. spitting baiting absolutely. wire and freaking, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's just, I don't think people realize. It's like you got to make every call. You got to follow up with every call. You got to know the guy that knows the guy who knows the guy you want to talk to. I mean, it's just. Bingo. It's, it's yeah, a, no, it, 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 it's a total hustle. You got to be like and, part, and then, part you know, that, 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 That's why I kind of think that you said to me, uh, at the onset, you said, hey, is this cancer thing a bit? Um, a lot of people think that. You know what? <sighs> Screw them. You know, well, you know that, um, I ask a lot of questions when I, and I, and I tell people this, I maybe should have told you, but I, I ask people questions that, like if uh, I have Jerry Jones on my, my show, I'll tell him, hey, look, I'm going to ask you some super hard questions, and they're not because um, I'm trying to be a prick. They're so that you can answer them once, and people will shut well, the bring hell it, up. You know? Bring it. You yeah, know, bring yeah, it. You I, I already this. gave you a little exclusive about my sister. <laughs> I know. I mean, please, let, let's not sugarcoat things. Let's not confirm I mean, if there's any, anything, here's what I would like you to do. Um, please, challenge me, and you've seen my work. Uh Let's take it to that other level where, you know, um, you'll get some more world exclusives. Well, I don't want to <laughs> confine it to the world. I think it should be like the universe or something. I mean, this, just the world is not big enough, I don't think. I mean, if you want to be really challenged, uh, interdimensional totality of matter. There we go. Exclusive. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I, it, uh, to give you a tremendous amount of credit, it for me and and again i told you i never have ever publicly told the story about my sister denise um and it was your line of questioning that led me there so let's continue with that that would be fantastic uh, oh, with my line of questioning or yeah i mean oh, yeah i, I mean I, you you've seen my work and you uh you know let's let's uh Let's amp it up a bit. Well, okay. Well, one thing I, I want to... That, that brings me to another thing. I was going to ask you just to, uh, first, because we've talked about him, um, but if, if you could talk just briefly uh, for those people who may not remember Doug, uh, okay. maybe the first time you met him and what it was like to work with him real briefly, because I've got a bunch of questions to ask you about all the stuff that followed. Okay. Um, I, I met Doug in high school. He was the first guy um, I ever met who was disabled. So we became quick friends. And what I used to do was um, I had volunteered to push him around. You know, there was no motorized wheelchairs in the 80s. Um, <laughs> and it would allow me to get out of class 10 minutes early. <laughs> so I could go and pick Doug up and wheel him to his uh, next cl next class, and you know high school is kind of torturous. I know <laughs> it's all right, but the fact that I was able to snip uh, twenty minutes off of my six classes a day was amazing. <laughs> and uh, you know, again, uh, I had never met anybody who was disabled, and Doug was 
severely disabled. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, a guy, two foot six, 80 pounds in a wheelchair, it doesn't get more disabled than that. So we became very, very close friends. Um, and when I was doing my television show uh, back in Southfield, Michigan, I was also um, doing stand-up at this place called Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Which oh, is, uh, my still there. God. Yes, Fantastic it's still there place. on, was it Campbell? Uh, well, it was, yeah, and then, but, but then he moved to Woodward. Oh, Remember Woodward? Yeah, yeah. God, yeah, I, exactly. I played that place, man, when I was doing stand-up. What a, what a, what a wonderful place. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Yeah, it was. It, it was, and, and you know, the thing I uh, not to digress, but as you said, it's appropriate. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget. Uh, I I was there one night, and I had to follow Tim Allen. Oh. Okay. Man. This was pre-home improvement. Pre-drug okay? arrest or post-drug arrest? Uh, after drug arrest. Okay. Okay. Come back after. trail. Come back trail. Um, and, and, yeah, he was just kind of, there. You know. Uh, Dave Coulier, Mike Binder, all these, you know, comics. So I had to follow Tim Allen um, one day at the comedy uh, at, at the comedy castle, and I'll never forget what I did. I, I took a bottle of Mister Clean, okay, and I emptied it out and filled it up with Gatorade, lemon lime Gatorade, because it looked exactly like Mister Clean. So. I, I do my bit and everything, and I uh, uh, cocaine was all the rage then. I said, and this is how I, I closed. I said, you know, a lot of people are doing coke out there, and uh, cocaine is a very dangerous drug. So you know what I do? I get high the real way. I drink Mr. Clean, <laughs> and I, I down this bottle of Mr. Clean that was actually Gatorade, and it just tore the roof off the place. <laughs> and Tim Allen comes up to me and says, man, most times when someone has to follow me, they bombed. You, you just <laughs> amazing, mm -hmm. you know? And that was pretty cool. It was, and I mean, this was me as a, as, as a teenager. So if you, uh, you know, talk about where did it come from when, you know, you're, barely old enough to drive and you have a hit television show on the USA network and you're eclipsing Tim Allen. That's a great jumping off point. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, I think in, in a lot of ways that that was my secret. So getting back to Doug, um, once we graduated high school, we, um, went to Michigan state university and cause <laughs> I didn't want a roommate. Um, me and Doug uh, commandeered this uh, two-suite place uh, in Wilson Hall because I convinced the um, resident manager. And, you know, like, dorms are like, you know, the one step above prison cells. Yeah. Uh, and I convinced the resident manager that, hey, um, this guy needs assistance. He needs help. <laughs> so instead of giving us uh, roommates... Um, I'd be more than happy to take care of this guy um, and not put a burden on your system because what they had uh, in, in colleges and universities, there was a program where if you're disabled and you need assistance, they would actually have people come in and uh, do, you know, uh, I think it was called 
in-home health supported services or something like that. Yeah. But it, it, it was, it was, you know, a costly thing. So the resident manager was like, are you willing to do that? And I said, of course, look, I care about this man. I want him to have a great college experience. <laughs> so, um, I, I had taken what I had done in high school to another level where in college, you know, we kind of ruled the dorms. Uh, there's a, a great video on uh, my Facebook page. It's called Deep Inside MSU, and it actually shows how me and Doug just ruled this college campus. And uh, next thing you know, uh, we're out in Hollywood. We had both gotten accepted to USC's film school. Um, and two weeks in, we were uh, doing open mic night in the original room at the comedy store, and uh, Sam Kinison had discovered us um, with that Jerry Lewis bit that I wrote, uh, and <laughs> the rest is a, an amazing piece of history. Oh, yeah. Yeah, legendary. Now, so did Kinison lead to Stern? Is that is that how it went? Yes, yes, 100%. When when we when we went you know and played like Madison Square Gardens or uh, the Nassau Coliseum or the Felt Forum or or even you know uh, uh, small clubs in in New Jersey, um, Howard wasn't syndicated at that time. He was only it was uh, WXRK. Um, so we would we would every time we went to New York we would go on the Cern show uh, with Sam and the Outlaws Comedy. Um, and we, we became very fast friends with Howard Stern and what actually took it to another level was when Sam had passed away, Howard asked Doug to be his correspondent at the funeral because, um, <laughs> Howard couldn't be there. Yeah. And, uh, a week after Sam's funeral, uh, Howard flew us up to New York, uh, Secaucus, uh, and he was doing this uh, Channel 9 show, the WWOR oh. show. Oh, yeah. Um, and people had heard Doug on the radio, but they never saw what he looked like. There was, there was no internet back then. No. You know? I mean, if, if you wanted to read a book, you went to the library or you, 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 know, you, you stole it from a B. Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was... Uh, um, so a after Sam passed, uh, within a week, uh, Howard had flown us up to uh, Secaucus, and we did this bit on the Channel 9 show where Doug actually said, the reason I'm in a wheelchair is because Richard Simmons was the guest. And uh, he said, the reason I'm in a wheelchair is all Richard Simmons' fault, because uh, I was sweating to the oldies, and it crippled me for life. And Doug actually slaps <laughs> Richard Simmons. And, <laughs> um, yeah, that's hilarious. From, from, from then, we were pretty much Howard Stern Gold. Uh, and at that point, too, you know, when Sam had passed away, me and Doug both thought our careers were over because that was, that was our only gig. With, um, when, when you would work with Kinison, the one thing Sam would insist was loyalty and you really could not work with anyone else. Um, as long as you were part of his 
inner circle, um, you, you couldn't do anything else. And me and Doug would, would fight about that because we would get we we would get so many opportunities, and Doug would be like, "Hey, Sam's not gonna like this. Sam's <laughs> not gonna like this." Uh, and I said, "Dude, we have we have to look out for ourselves. You know, we have to." Uh, do things and 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 that was kind of a a major um, stumbling point between me and that would be the one thing that we would would fight about. Uh, but then when Sam passed away and Howard Stern, you know, was so amazing uh, to take us when we thought everything was done uh, and reach a whole other level uh the 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 best howard stern story that uh are you well, sure well, you want to are you are you sure you want to tell the best one because i was hoping you were going to tell your second best i mean because i imagine the best one you'll tell a lot <laughs> the second I, yeah, i'll tell you that's that's interesting nobody ever tells the, the second was, best story the new year's eve pay-per-view they, they never tell uh, the I, second best story it's never ever mentioned you know it never makes the conversation i'm kidding tell whatever story you want about how it's <laughs> I, I just think it's interesting if i could just butt in okay because you've experienced this success locally in you know, Southfield or Detroit or whatever. And, but that is a national success per se, because it's on a cable network. Then you go off to college, that stuff happens. And then you start working for, for Sam Kinison and that leads to Howard Stern. What, what was the difference in terms of working for um, Sam and working for Howard on the air, Howard? I mean, I understand you guys probably still kept doing stand-up comedy the same way you did with Sam, but how did working for Howard on his actual radio show differ? Oh, um, great question. I, with Kinison, it was pretty much a roller coaster ride. Um, it, it was, uh, I mean, there, there was so much like, you know, uh, uh, Doug was a virgin and Sam sent him a hooker uh-huh. and it, it, it became a regular thing where we were living uh, in Hollywood and after the first time Sam just kept sending hookers over <laughs> to be with Doug and I was like There's a, and, and, and he really got a kick out of it you know and you know <laughs> I'll never forget uh, you know here I am <laughs> in this uh, two-bedroom apartment, uh, and there'd be a knock at the door, we're here for Doug. And I was like, whoa! <laughs> um, so when, when you would work with Kinison, <laughs> uh, there, there was nothing out of bounds. It was <laughs> insane. It was, it was truly you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, that whole scenario. With Howard, Howard was all about professionalism, and when when the mics would go off, Howard would become a different person. And even, you know, lately, uh, with my struggle with cancer, I'll I'll talk to Howard, and he's a very caring, sensitive individual. But on the air, it's no holds barred. 
Well, I think a lot of people have seen a different side of him, even on America's Got Talent, you know. Right. Uh, I think that's that's allowed people to, to see some of that. Now, when you were around Kinnison, was this when he was seeing uh, Jessica Hahn and or Seika? Yeah, I actually had sex with Jessica Hahn. Oh, you you see, you just you, you keep setting the bar higher and higher. Hey, that's not a problem. Uh, you know, yeah, and, uh, and, and and guess what the price was? A half gram of cocaine. We were wow. at the St. James Hotel, and uh, uh, Jessica was there. And it, it, it's funny because, uh, as you've probably seen on my Facebook page, all the pictures. Right? Oh yeah. There's yeah. There, there, there's actually a picture of Jessica the morning after. Uh, I had sex with her, uh, and it was it was effing awesome. <laughs> but, uh, um, but at, at the same time, you know, Sam was dating Malika and her sister Sabrina, um, and it, it was it was so insane <laughs> to be part of that world, um, and. Words can't describe uh, what. Well, maybe, maybe they can. But, uh, you, I think you, you, just, can. you just have to like. No, I'm just saying. You know, I'm, I, <laughs> the funny thing is, it's like, uh, and and this proves what a great interviewer you are. Yeah. You know, you're you're awakening so many uh, thoughts in my mind of you know things that I, I haven't discussed or talked about in a long time and obviously you did your research and i appreciate that so thank you so much well the you're you're it's like your head had to be on a swivel all the time or around you know I mean, it's like you get up in the mornings what's gonna happen next walking through the coffee shop any hookers no okay we're good so far i mean it's like what what, what where when are the midgets gonna jump out of the uh you know post office box and when are the uh you know Elvis is going to parachute out of the plane overhead and all that kind of stuff. Just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and the funny thing is, it's like, I think back to everything I've said so far, um, a lot of people would say, wow, is this a bit? Is this guy making this stuff up? But you, for one, know no, the fact because you've bit. done the research. <laughs> everything I'm saying is 100% true. Uh, and, and that, yeah. and, I mean, to, to, to live in, in, in my body, to to know all that and like I was telling you how difficult it is, you know, dating people, uh, it's this, this life. But what's great about social media is the fact that, as you said, you know, you've seen the clips, you've done some research and everything. You can put that out there. So when you said, Hey, is this a hustle? Man, if the best hustler in the world, was out there guess what the internet's going to beat you um <laughs> for me for me uh the internet is my friend and to be able to share all this stuff and it's it's a 30-year journey so far well, you and know, i'm just getting started <laughs> well, you, you realize don't you that for people like me that worship howard stern i mean i just think the guy on every single level, you know, media, creativity, writing ability, performance, but name something. He is a, you know, generation defining personality. Absolutely. And did, uh, did, you know, did, did you see the clip when we put Doug in the steamer trunk? 
Well, that's what I'm getting at, is that you okay. are part... <laughs> I tried to jump ahead. You, I kind of smelled what you were cooking to no, no, uh, I mean, close the rock. Well, no, I mean, but, uh, you, you, you've yeah, got 90. I mean, that, that, that was that was defining moment, you know. All right, go ahead. Well, I'm no, but sorry you, to jump ahead. No, that's okay. <laughs> You're... Um, you you have cancer, so I can't interrupt you. If you were if you were without cancer, oh, I'd, I'd no. be a prick. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, no, yeah, I went to the bathroom today, and blood didn't come out. So today's a good day. Oh, we're cool. Because cube. that's my favorite way to get out of work early. Is you know, hey, can I go home? I don't really have that much to. I don't know. I need you to work after the Jenkins and I found blood in my stool. Maybe you better go home. Um, you know, you are part of legend and lore. Um, people, because of YouTube, you've been there, you've seen all the clips because of the way the E show for so many years, you know, just kept serving up chunks of the Howard Stern show every day at noon and at midnight or whatever it was. All of those things just kept getting re, you know, dredged up and served up and, and, and all of the things that you're talking about to the real like pantheon of Howard Stern fans you're you're part of like the myth, the, the mythology. Yeah, of the and, and show. We, 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 we were never whack packers. No, and that, that was another thing. Doug was vehemently against. There's a great Leg picture. Legendarily, on, on my face. what's that? He was legendarily vehement about it, and the yeah. hookers were legendarily being sent. I mean, you guys <laughs> were part of when Howard Stern first went from yeah, yeah we, we were on the first wave exactly i mean it was we we, we were there with sam kittison when he was just at xrk and then in 92 when sam passed away when howard went national yeah and howard would fly us yeah. out to these funerals for like mark and brian the grease van all these fucking lame oops sorry um, all uh, these it's lame a it's a uh, radio hacks. It's oh a, it's a podcast yeah you're I good you're good say that all right yeah so we you know it, it, we that's an, another unique thing that I bring to the table. Um, when we first started on Howard Stern, it was just an East Coast thing. It really was. Yeah. And it morphed into a national phenomenon. Um, we, we went to um, a book signing when he wrote Private Parts in Westwood, California, and Doug and me were so popular, we actually needed a police escort to get us into this uh, Barnes and Noble where the book signing was. And, and that's, a, that's another picture on my Facebook that is amazing. It's me and Doug <laughs> going down the street with a police escort. You know, um, <laughs> I, a, lo a lot of times I'll, I'll use the quote, I'm the most famous person you've never heard of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or, uh, but when, you you look back at uh, what what I have done. It, it's such an amazing piece of work, and I have never stopped doing what I do. And again, I'm digressing. Well, no, <laughs> I mean, it, and it's interesting because your yeah. career is an amazing piece of work and i am often referred to as an amazing piece of work uh, well so far you got my vote mostly by I mean, women you're a great interviewer mostly after a date um okay so <laughs> so you've you 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 start off and you, you do the kinnison thing then you do the stern thing which of course 
is multifaceted and and you yeah, know. Yeah, we we would uh, when when we were when we were regulars on the Stern show, we would get two thousand dollars to show up at a bowling alley. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, Doug was so uh, against you know that whole whack pack thing when we uh, did the pay per view. Uh, it, it was it was put together by this boxing guy, uh, Lou Duva. Oh, Lou uh, Duva. You know that guy? Oh, Lou Duva is a legendary boxing man. Yes. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, him and and Kathy Duva, they they set up the logistics behind the pay per view. So I'll never forget. It's you know December, and we fly in to Newark, New Jersey. Oh boy. <laughs> Thrilling. And we we lived in this uh, ho- uh a Sheraton hotel <laughs> for three weeks prior Whoa. to this. And then you got John Wayne Bobbitt, you got Sherman Hemsley, you got um Mark Hamill, you know, Luke Skywalker. Um and we were all judges on that on that show and it was the highest grossing pay per view of all time because at thirty nine ninety nine in the early nineties, that was unheard of yep. to ask for a, a, a pay per view. Um but Howard did it and, and and Lou Duva was this amazing mastermind, this promoter that it took what pay-per-view was in the early 90s and it, it actually reminded me of when I was 15 and I was doing my cable TV show um, what a visionary that was and I'll, I'll never forget um, Doug got his own dressing room I had to share a dressing room with John Wayne Bobbitt and Daniel Carver the oh. KKK yeah guy. I, I was just gonna ask you was Did Daniel you know Carver Daniel oh I know very well who Daniel Carver is yeah yes. so we're, we're, we're putting in our tuxedos and uh, uh, at one point the three of us have no pants on so I'm looking <laughs> at John Wayne Bobbitt Who's, who you know had his penis yes, cut off penis severed, and this yes. ultimate racist Daniel Carver uh, and the three of us are pretty much naked from the waist down. And I say to myself, can this get any fucking stranger? <laughs> <laughs> and then we, we went, we, we went and uh, we did the pay-per-view and it was, it, it was amazing. And I'll never forget. Um, we had this uh, after party at this ballroom and there was a girl who uh, her talent was eating maggots. So she had a bunch of maggots in like this container and that was her talent. I would hope so. so. What? Uh, <laughs> they better we're, have we're, a container for, for the maggots. I said, they better have a container for the maggots. You can't just walk yeah, around yeah. and them scooped up in the, in your hand. Cause but it's not classy. The funniest thing was to we're at the after party and my favorite song comes on. Uh-huh. Um, it was like a rap song by uh, K7 called Come Baby Come. And <laughs> it was like my favorite song. And I'm there with Doug. And I go up to this girl uh, who had eaten maggots earlier. And I said, hey, let's dance. And she goes, no, thank you. 
And I'll never forget, uh, <laughs> like 20 minutes later, Doug said, hey, Howard, Dave just asked the magazine girl to dance, and she said no. And the two of them were just like laughing like crazy because I couldn't get a dance with the magazine girl. And, and that, was, that was truly you know, our, our, our life. That was a rare moment, like you said, what was Howard like, you know, off the radio? Man, did he appreciate that moment. And he still, you know, I, I talked to Howard uh, um, uh, just a couple of months ago, and he still brings up that story. Let me tell you, hey, hey, you hey, dude, look uh, at the bright side. What if you had gotten to dance with her and she kissed you or something? Man? I mean, you know, maybe maybe it wasn't such a bad. Hey, hey, you know what? When I when I look at all the girls that I've dated and everything, man, that would have been a step up. <laughs> <laughs> but you did get to you nailed Jessica Hahn, man. That's just for the story alone. Even if she keeps getting clownish facial surgeries, you you got the old picture. Yeah, that's yeah. oh, I mean, that's a that's a, I mean, that's a tale for the ages. If, if if you want to talk about celebrity conquest, um, Latoya Jackson. Oh, really? How, uh, how well, awesome you, was that? Yeah, how'd Another that come story. to be? We were um, which one of at, you was drunk? Uh, a Hugh Hefner party, <laughs> and uh, she was married to this guy who was uh, a stern regular, Jack Gordon. Oh yeah, yeah, manager. yeah, yeah! I remember. Right, and. Uh, we were at this party, and boom. Next thing I know, uh, I'm having sex with Latoya Jackson. It was uh, it was pretty incredible. I, I want to one day accidentally find myself having sex with a hot celebrity. Yeah, no. how, like, no, like, how's that cool. happen? Do you just does your, your does your focus wander a little bit? Maybe you start no, you looking know, at it, it, like, and all of a sudden it, it, you just turn around and oops. No, it, <laughs> it, it, it all always involves drugs and alcohol. It oh. always uh, <laughs> always involves drugs and alcohol. Yeah, um, yeah. And another, I mean, crazy effing story was. Um, do you uh, remember Leif Garrett? Oh, yeah. And Justine Bateman, the two of them were dating. Leif Garrett, and... Leif Garrett is the poor man's Sean Cassidy. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I'm asleep in my hotel room, and Leif said, hey, I, I can't get a hotel here. Can, um, can I crash in your hotel room? I'm like, yeah, sure. And they would give you, you know, two keys when you check in. So I'm like, yeah, no problem. And I'm asleep and I wake up and I look next to me. There's Leaf Garrett having sex with Justine Bateman in my hotel room. <laughs> I'm like, wow. And then I, you know, I pretended to fall back asleep, but I, I watched the whole thing and I'm like, wow, this is way better than pay-per-view. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, man. I mean, uh, when when you talk about like uh, celebrity uh, conquest and sex and stuff, yeah, I, I I certainly have had my share. It's it's amazing that I never had an STD. Um, yeah, and that's that that's that's pretty phenomenal because wow, um, 
there there were you know I'm talking like Guns and Roses numbers of women. It was <laughs> it was uh, it was a crazy time. And now, here's the best thing. There's Not a best only, thing. Well, well, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think the best thing is when you reflect it all sounds on your pretty past, pretty damn good but, to me, man. <laughs> <laughs> when you reflect on your past and you have these real true stories, yeah. And again, they're they're backed up by everything, and of, of course, you know, you do your research, you know. Uh, well, and a lot of the things, from and everything. a lot of the things you're talking about were independently third party verified on the air. Uh, because the, the on the Stern show they would talk about these things that happened. Oh yeah. I mean, after the yeah, show, that, that that's that's what made Howard a great broadcaster. Yeah. That's what made Howard because he and you know I'm I'm going to put you on the same level as Howard. This is and I do a lot of interviews and as as you've probably seen and stuff. Yeah. This is fascinating because you actually ask significant questions. A lot of times it's like you know. Uh, hey, let's get you your next plug. Let's you know do yeah. that, and it's real hacky. But uh, that's what Howard uh, was able to do, and still does. Um, and we haven't even gotten he, to the lightning round, dude. We, yeah, we, well, we, we hey, get to the lightning going, round man. at the let's end. Let's rock it. Oh, that's that's when. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. But uh, um, well, well, you got me. I'm not going anywhere. Well, talk. So talk. We're, 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 we're going to make some radio gold today. Yeah. Well, talk. Talk. We are, you already have. Um, the, talk to me a little bit about the pro wrestling because I, I read a very lengthy interview where you where you talk about it. I have. Yeah, I got a lot of heat on that one. Why did wow, you get, did I get a lot of heat, get on that heat? One? Because I I personally um, have always interviewed pro wrestlers. I grew up with in the seventies with you know Bruno San Martino and. Um, Dick the Bruiser and uh, the Claw and, you know, right. Wilbur Schneider, the world's most scientific wrestler and Pepper Gomez and the Iron Sheik and all, all of them. Um, and I love it. I mean, I absolutely love the, the, yes, the camp so of it I mean, and everything I, I, else. Monday Night Raw, I glued to the TV. And, and that, that was, um, if, if you watch WrestleMania 3, which was at the Pontiac Silverdome, um, me and Doug are ringside. This was way before Los Angeles mm -hmm. and everything. This was when we were in college at Michigan State University. We got ringside seats oh, for man. WrestleMania. So, and that was when uh, Hogan slammed Andre. Oh, man. Talk about an iconic moment. And what's great is, if, if you go to YouTube, you'll actually see me and Doug ringside at WrestleMania 3. Um, so Doug was a huge fan of wrestling. I have always been a fan of wrestling. So we had gotten the opportunity to work for the WWF. Um, it was an exchange deal. Um, Vince McMahon said, Hey, you know, you guys are on Howard Stern all the time. Uh, if I put you in the show, uh, can you, yeah, make, it, Howard yeah, Stern. make it known you're doing this. Right. And we're like, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, and we, we would, we would go to um, live events and TV tapings and, you know, whatever the booker wanted um, script wise, we would do, you know, if it was, you know, uh, for Doug to distract a wrestler, um, or if it was 
you know, to create a scene in the crowd, no problem. So we had gotten the amazing opportunity to be a part of the WWF, uh, and, you know, we, we became very close friends with a guy who passed away, Owen Hart, another guy, Louis Piccoli, uh, whose gimmick was Rad Radford, um, Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, uh, and wow. Once again, it was a very, very smart thing for us to do where we just would always say, hey, we're getting away with so much. Let's take it to another level. <laughs> and, you know, I, I used to use the phrase, uh, Doug Beatty and Dave Lerman together are brilliant. But when we put our minds to it, we are unstoppable. And that's, that was the philosophy that kind of ruled our life. Uh, we always would figure out a way. And, and again, this was, this was an era where everything was so politically incorrect. Yeah. Um, but we were politically incorrect and loving it. And it, it would, you know, just think about one thing. You know, so many people would, every Labor Day, donate so much money to muscular dystrophy. And they would have a telethon and the whole thing. <laughs> and we inspired this crazy movement called Jerry's Orphans, where people with muscular dystrophy would protest outside the studio um, <laughs> because they were doing nothing for them. And <laughs> fast forward to three years ago, muscular dystrophy fired Jerry Lewis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, to say I'm ahead of the curve, hell yeah. Yeah, just a um, It was, you know, and, you know, the way that bit came about was we were in, in Las Vegas and we had called muscular dystrophy uh, and today we're going to Vegas. Uh, we want to see Jerry Lewis and Sammy Davis Jr. We get to the box office at Bally's and they said, yeah, that'll be $300. So no, we're on the list. Yeah, you're on the list to buy tickets. So we actually paid $300 to see Jerry Lewis in Las Vegas. Uh, and an announcer comes out and he says, due to health concerns, Sammy Davis Jr., will not be performing. Jerry Lewis comes on and does 45 minutes of the worst stage show <laughs> me and Doug have ever seen. I mean, hey, it was... Did he do it, the... It, was, did he do it, the it, it redefined the term hack. Did he do the Doug crazy hey. lighter bit and the uh, glass of water in and, mouth? And, and the typewriter. Yeah, that bit. I can't remember it. It's so burned into my <laughs> so, head. So the show, the show ends, and Doug goes, "Hey, Dave, <laughs> let's go talk to Jerry Lewis." I said, "Dude, <laughs> we're in a fucking casino. How how are we gonna gonna?" And true story. How are we gonna talk to Jerry Lewis? He goes, "Hey, just follow my lead." <laughs> so we go in through the kitchen doors, right? <laughs> 
And about two minutes in, some security guy says, what are you doing here? You don't have passes. And they goes, I'm the poster child. I have a meeting <laughs> with Jerry Lewis. So the security guard, true story, takes us through the catacombs of, of Bally's. We get to, to Jerry's dressing room, right? And the security guard knocks on the door, and Jerry's like, what do you want? I'm busy. <laughs> and the security guard goes, uh, the poster child's here to see you. No, I don't know anything about that. Uh, Jerry, the poster child is right here. So he comes out and he goes, what do you want? And Doug says, well, I, I, I want to thank you. And, you know, kind of just kisses Jerry's ass. And he goes, <laughs> I know nothing about this. And I said, well, can we at least get a picture? So the security card takes a picture of me and Doug with Jerry Lewis backstage at Bally's. And the next day, I said, man, this would be an awesome bit. And, and that's how, you know, Sam Kinison discovered us. He went to the comedy store and did that bit. And Sam said, hey, I want you guys for my act. Um, and, and that... Uh, uh, kind of set the bar for what happened next. And then, you know, you fast forward when Sam passed away, we thought, all right, um, what do we do next? And Howard Stern picked it up. So well, that, uh, that's hilarious. And thank you for using catacombs. Not many people, <laughs> right. not many people, but I love it. It, it was a liberness of mazes. Yeah. Oh God. It's pretty good. Uh, I wonder what would be in the catacombs of Bally's, like you know, just hallway. Uh, no, just, just Bugsy hallway. Siegel. Actually, it was very similar to the catacombs of Disneyland in Anaheim. Yeah, it is just these tunnels. They're like uh, utility tunnels. Well, now the wrestling thing. Uh -huh. uh, that's another plateau, and I'm going to point out, you guys, and you specifically, uh, were at the site of some things that were happening like they'll never happen before and when they were really taking off. Um, I, I got the first David Letterman scholarship, and I got it right as he was sort of exploding, and cable hadn't become so huge in terms of like non-ESPN or non-HBO stuff that there was a lot of competition. So those big network shows still all had the pull. When, when you were doing what you were doing, you had your own cable show when cable was really taken off. Right. You guys went and you did Sam Kinison at the time that stand-up comedy was having its biggest resurgence since probably the 60s. Right. Um, what with Seinfeld, Kinison, Dice Clay... Um, you could go down the list of guys that were playing these huge concerts. I mean, even Eddie Eddie uh, Murphy uh, before that. So you, yeah, you're with that. the movie Raw. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So you do you do that with him. Then you go to Stern right as he explodes nationally syndicated, and get you get you get caught in the churn of that Daily E show, which just if it's not showing an actual clip of something you guys did for that Secaucus thing or some other 
related thing that was videotape, pay-per-view, whatever. They're bringing it back in discussions. Hey, remember the time, blah, blah, blah. So you're part of that legend and lore. Then you go and you're with the, the wrestling guys when it's really starting to become, I mean, that was when it really oh, that became. That was pre-Monday Night Wars. Yeah, it was the 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 uh, the point when when all of the WrestleMania stuff became Super Bowl level. Right. Okay. It, it, it was in, in all those instances, it was always right before they became part of the lexicon of, of pop culture. Exactly. Exactly. Now, now you have done some stuff in in some other forms of media since that actually are pretty uh, maybe fascinate me more than the other things you do. Although that's that's Certainly. that's a tough call. I'd hate to live on the difference, as John Wayne would say. The um, how do you get on these shows? Like by genre, is it different for game shows than it is for court oh, yeah. or reality oh, yeah. show? I mean, oh how yeah, do you, how do you do it and and my biggest question is, is it is it a situation in all cases where you have to force yourself on the person and sell yeah. yourself and make that deal? Or is it a situation where they know you already, they know you, what you do, and they've seen you be a quote-unquote real person or a, a personality on other shows, and they go, no, I've seen this guy, he can do it. You know, when I, when I first started out after Doug passed away um i i proved myself as being a viable option uh -huh. and, and a lot of it um i've been if you don't mind statistically um i've been on 20 game shows eight court shows <laughs> and seven reality shows wow yeah. Now, um, now, when you say court show, you're talking about like a so judge, judge Judy. Judy. Judge okay, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. When you say, and that's, that's, I mean, for me, the the court shows are uh, such an amazing payday. You get a free trip. You get five thousand dollars for like two hours work. I mean, you can't. Do you, uh, and what had happened was, um, I had done so many court shows that just like I had done so many game shows, I can't do them anymore. Yeah, you're too in, recognizable. In, 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 in the, yeah, I burned the spot. Yeah. You know, it, it's the... And then what I did was I started writing for people to do these shows. Yeah. And one, one, one of the, the greatest ones I did, and it's, it's got like 10,000 hits on YouTube, uh, if your listeners want to see some great TV that Dave Lerman wrote, uh -huh. uh, it's called Picasso's, okay. uh, Judge Mathis. <laughs> um, my friend, Brad, uh, is going through a hard time, and he needed money and everything. So I wrote this storyline about uh, how he had been working at a club called Picasso's where they allowed the patrons to paint on a naked girl's body. Oh, God. And when the club finally got raided, because they had no liquor license, <laughs> and by the way, this is all made up. Yeah. When they finally got raided, uh, the owner of the club, Mr. Linker, uh, stiffed Brad on close to $5,000 worth of a paycheck that he should have gotten. Oh, boy. 
And and to see that played out, it's like I said, it's gotten so many hits on YouTube. Uh, that's what I do. Right. Uh, I have somebody, somebody, you know, comes to me uh, and says, "Hey, you know, um, I, I want to do something like that." So, you know, I consult my mentor like that. Um, but getting back to your your question, um, yeah, it, it was just what what I did was. I took the skills that I learned from, you know, Doug and Sam and Howard, and I just applied them to that real-world scenario. Um, and I was able to become uh, the, the great Marky Gastel once said, you're the best ringer I ever had. And uh-huh. what she meant by that was, if you want TV gold, if you want great television, call Dave Lerman. So that's how that thing started. And especially like this month, I'm probably going to do one this month. Uh, it's November sweeps. Um, when a show is kind of dying in the ratings or anything like that, they need something to boost it up. And consistently, when when I do television, it it takes it to a whole other level. Um, just to to throw back when you symbolize this a bit, everything I've ever done on game shows, reality shows, and court shows, all a bit. It was all work. It there there was no truth whatsoever. And what's strange is here in Vegas, I will get a call from someone uh, at a local news station that says, hey, we need a sound bite. You know, I'll throw you $20. Um, can, can you give us a sound bite for this story? Uh, and I'm like, hell yeah. Dave Lerman never met a camera he didn't like. <laughs> uh, and that's, you know, that's essentially um, what I do. And I'm, I'm the best in the world at that. Uh, or as you said, the best in the universe. Thank you for elevating uh, that. Actually, it's, the best, that. it's the best and, in and the, the thing is, it, interdimensional it, 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 matter uh, array, I think, or something. It's way more than yeah. just our universe. Yeah, but, and, and, well, yeah, the thing is, you know, if, if, if you, and, and you said you had, if you watch my work, you see that evolution, that place where for, gosh, 30 years, uh, I have consistently pulled that off. Um, well, you know, you and, s- when you talk about ga- when you talk about game shows, uh-huh. um, you're talking like that that game show that's on C-SPAN, the 123rd Congress of the United States. No, no, no. Not I'm that like, let's okay. make a deal. The price is right. Okay, okay. Win, lose, or draw. Now, the, the um, reality shows Can, that can you've I done. pause you for a second? Oh, sure, I just sure. want to grab some water. Oh, yeah. Take all okay. the time you I'll need. Be, I'll, I'll be right, right back. Okie dokie. <laughs> While Mr. Lehrman's away, we'll take this opportunity to tell you that you can go to Tom's Facebook page, Tom's Tumblr page, Tom's YouTube page, or Tom's website at thetomgullyshow.com. And What's that? All sorts of, oh, I was doing a public service announcement while you were away. A little PSA. Yeah. Actually, it was a 
self-serving shameless promo. But um, hey, nothing wrong with that, brother. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yes, a pandering, pleading, beseeching. Um, so, um, how do you get these people? Oh no, reality shows is what I was going to ask you about. Um, what reality shows have you been on? And are you one um, of those guys that? Well, it, 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 I, I mean, my favorite one by far was a show on the Travel Channel called uh, Shape Up, Ship Out. Oh, where, really? Yeah, and there's some great clips of it uh, on my Facebook page. Uh, I had to live on a cruise ship, a carnival cruise ship, for 30 days. Yeah. And the way to win was the person who loses the most weight. <laughs> it oh, was uh, what I like to call the biggest loser on a boat. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, uh, let's see, what else? Oh, about last night on MTV, that was pretty good. Um, and so, you know, they're just shitty reality shows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, they're horrible. Uh, but and now, do you, do you have an agent, or are you, because no. you're, you, yeah, I can't no, imagine. I, I, I actually, a... um, I, I did have an agent when I was in Los Angeles, um, but if you can book something for yourself, they don't take that cut. So it's always best not to have an agent. But my agent was a very good one. Well, that's good. That's very, very, very good. Um, of all of the stuff that you've done, what do you think was the hardest thing that you uh, accomplished? Wow. Um, I have no clue. I, I don't know. Does it, I mean, um, do you even think of it in those terms? I mean, are you like, uh, guys like you strike me as like being like a shark. It's like you're constantly moving forward to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. So it's like uh, hard, probably doesn't have as much of a context as it does, you know, somebody like myself who's lazy and looks at a chore as the whole chore rather than small achievable tasks. Yeah, um, as I promised you, I'm going to be brutally honest. Um, I, you know, there were like tons of setbacks. I mean, most recently, um, I went on the Dr. Phil show and I got thrown off the Dr. Phil show. Um, that was pretty harsh. Wow. Um, that what, was. What happened? Um, Because again, I mean, you just keep you just keep you know rising in esteem in my eyes. I mean, if a Jessica Hahn thing wasn't good enough, kicked off Doctor Phil. If I was kicked off Doctor Phil, I would have a loop of it on a screen behind me, twenty four hours a day, like in malls and at the airport, just so I could show people. I think that's yeah. awesome. That's um, awesome. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think if, if anything, you know, clips being thrown off the Dr. Phil show. <laughs> um, yeah, no, th that, that was probably the hardest thing that ever happened because they, they pursued me so vigorously um, to be on the show. Yeah. And then I get on the show, and in the middle of the show, 
Um, Dr. Phil has like this earwig, which is a, a, a sound device in yeah. his ear so the producers sure. can talk to him. In the middle of the show, in front of like 500 people, Dr. Phil just gets up and says, hey, boss, I won't talk to you. And then the <laughs> two of us, me and my friend Brad, we are walked off the set and the producer goes, you're both actors. And we're like, yeah. We saw you on the Tyra Banks show. We saw you on the Bill Cunningham show. Uh, and you you were just on Bones last Friday to my friend. And me and Brad are like, and what? Uh, you defrauded us. And I, I'm like, wow. Uh, it's like I, and I, 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 uh, I took a cab to the airport. Luckily, um, you know, I had a return plane ticket for, you know, Las Vegas to go home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was actually being very real uh, with Dr. Phil, hoping that I could get some, you know, resolution to the stuff that I was feeling. And instead it went sideways so quick. Um, and in retrospect, I thought, didn't these idiots Google me ahead of time before oh, yeah. flying me from Las Vegas to, you know, Los Angeles? Uh, w- why is this happening in the middle of the show? Well, I just find um, it hilarious that Dr. Phil and his staff, who are well-known media vultures, are now coming off as... N- Hey, now, you told us you were going to be out there talking to people about your problem. We saw you on Bones. What a stupid fucking yeah. thing to say. Uh, to and, I mean, the, the funny thing was, um, earlier that day, I had a chip in my tooth. Um, so they sent me to a dentist, and they paid $1,500 to fix my teeth. Um so that I would have a nice smile for TV. <laughs> uh, and it, it was like, whoa. Uh, and there, there's actually, if, you, if, if you, you go to my Facebook page, there's a before and after picture in my photo gallery of my teeth before Dr. Phil and after Dr. <laughs> Phil. Um, and, you know, it was on Robertson. It was this very posh dental place. And it, it, it was... It was honestly the most surreal thing. Uh, and this, this just happened recently. Um, and the, the <laughs> hardest thing I, I, I had to go with because for once, you know, because I, I, knew, I knew my shelf life on TV talk shows was kind of limited because ne- I had done so many. Nearing you know, I, nearing I, 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 I don't know if you saw the clip. You know, I, I went on a Tyra Banks show when she was beating Oprah in the ratings, and I beat a lie detector test. Did you see that clip? Oh, no, I did not. Okay, so it's right on. All you have to do, and listeners, go to YouTube, type in Tyra TV Gold. <laughs> uh, and I, I never, I never, ever in a million years thought I could beat a lie detector test. But I'm on the Tyra Banks show. And again, Tyra TV Gold. Okay. Uh, it's. It's it's amazing 
that I was able to beat a lie detector test. So, you know, I, I knew, and I, I honestly did not want to do the Dr. Phil show. I did it as a favor to my friend, Brad, who also is the guy uh, in the Picasso clip. Um, I just thought it would be a nice payday and maybe I could get some help because yeah, I may, I may sound great and, and wonderful, but there, there are times that I certainly get very depressed and I thought, wow, if there's anyone who can help Dave Lerman, it's Dr. Phil. So I honestly, uh, and I'll use a wrestling <clears throat> term, it's called shooting. Um, and it's the opposite of a work, uh, or as you had said earlier, a bit, um, shooting is just doing things totally honest. So I, I just unloaded. I, tears were rolling down my face, and I was unloading, you know, uh, to Dr. Phil. I think uh, my favorite thing I said, I go, it's not that I want to die. It's I wish I was never born. Why was I cursed this way? And fucking uh, Dr. Phil is just like, I mean, he was making home alone face. You know, <laughs> like, wow. Uh, and they had, they had, you know, rehearsed and coached us prior to that. But then I went off script and I actually talked about what I was really feeling, you know, uh, as far as depression and, you know, having cancer and having a sword over my head and everything. And I'm right there. Uh-huh. Dr. Phil two feet away from me. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, I guess, in my life, I'm talking about true feelings. I'm talking about things that are really disturbing to me. And the shock and awe of this guy was like, wow. Um, and then, you know, when uh, he stopped the tape, uh, when they tape TV shows, it's called live to tape, which means it's in real time. Yeah. Uh, we we go backstage and we're like public enemy number one and the the way they treated us and, and again I am so glad I had a return ticket to Las Vegas I'm pretty sure uh, if I didn't have that I would have been stuck in Los Angeles mm-hmm. um but yeah, that was that was a huge eye opener well. um, for me because again, you know, if, if if you didn't know my history and I told you that same story, she would go, "Dave Lerman, you crazy fool! Why do you make up this stuff?" Yeah, you know. But you know what I just told you happened for real, right? Uh, so yeah, that was. That was for me. Um, well, you know, Dr. Phil was kind of the creation of Oprah. You know, she right. discovered him and everything. And everybody was telling me how great he, he, he is. And I watched the first episode. I, I'll never forget this. First episode I ever saw. These chicks are in this room. And it's like, oh, you got to see this guy. He's the greatest. He's the best ever. And I, I okay, cool. Let's see. And he's talking to this guy that, you know, apparently was uh, cheating on his wife all the time. And he's like, if you're hitting yourself in the head with a hammer, 
and and it hurts, you you got to stop hitting yourself in the head with a hammer. And at that point, I was out on Doctor Phil for all eternity. There's no getting. Yeah, me I, back. I, I, I you know, no I, 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 I never watched uh, Doctor Phil prior to that. But uh, as a side note, so I, I get to Los Angeles. Limousine picks me up at the airport, and I'm thinking, all right, I'm gonna go to the hotel, relax, what have you. Um, and the driver's like, no, we're taking you to the Doctor Phil house. <laughs> I'm like the Dr. Phil house. What the what? Well, the, the Dr. Phil house. Um, you know, uh, on Melrose Avenue, uh, Paramount Studios. Uh huh. The Dr. Phil house is a soundstage on that lot. <laughs> so the first thing before I could even relax uh, is they they tape these pre segments, uh, and there, there's no bathrooms in the Dr. Phil house. I mean, it looks just like a house. So they did these pre-taped segments and I'm like, I need to go to the bathroom. And the girl goes, uh, well, you need to go out and make a right and just walk about <laughs> mm, 10 feet and you'll see a sign that says men's. I go, wait, but we're in the Dr. Phil house. Doesn't the Dr. Phil house have a bathroom? Props. And she's like, no. And it, it was, it was all, just such a work. Um, yeah. It, it was, uh, it was absolutely to answer your question, the, the hardest thing that, that I, uh, ever did. Um, and you know, I, luckily I got home and everything. Uh, and it just kind of shows that, you know, when you think of the hierarchy of TV, you would think there'd be one guy who would be legit. No. It would be, you know, the Oprah era parent, uh, Dr. Phil. And for real, I, no. I had never gone off script until that day. Usually when I'm booked on a show or I'm doing something, I, I, even on a game show, um, I wrote a book. Uh, and shameless plug coming up. Um, if you go to www.howtogetonanygameshow.com, uh, that's my book. I went once I got banned from game shows. I wrote a book, and in the book I tell people how to get on any game show. Um, <laughs> but uh, when you know you you do talk shows, they give you a scenario. It's like uh, for a while, I was the go-to guy on anything when there were like, you know, 20, I mean, you have to think about it. You know, uh, when I started doing this, you know, you had Oprah, you had Ricky Lake, you had Montel, you had Jerry Springer, you had all these shows. It is physically impossible to book real guests on real shows when your taping schedule is five days a week getting great content. Right. So what inevitably happened is they fake it. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I, I was very cool with that. I still am. Uh, and again, if, if you think I'm done, 
there is a good chance a week from today I'm going to do another show in <laughs> Connecticut because uh, it's November sweeps and that's like Christmas for this Jewish boy. That's right. <laughs> well, hey, you know what is like Christmas for us is when we do the lightning round, lightning round, lightning round. Um, All right, let's go to the lightning round. Okay, these are let's rock it, man. a bunch of uh, questions. And, and, and here, here, I'm going to challenge you. Okay, I'm going to challenge you for the lightning round, okay? okay. All right. Now these. I, I, I want you to dig deep into your repertoire. Well, it's, I, right? I actually wrote a whole brand new lightning round list of questions because they're pretty standard, but I wrote a, a brand new set for you. Yeah, let's, let's, and, uh, let's, let's, let's do what I do best. I make TV gold, I make radio gold. Let's, uh, and, and by the way, you earned a fan and a friend. Oh, thanks. Because, again, I, I do it, well, you've seen it, because you did the research, I do a ton of this stuff, and it's so refreshing for someone like you to um, ask thought-provoking questions that when you're listening to the radio, you're like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I only did two shameless plugs. You can do as many as but you I want. Digress. That's what that's what it's for. Okay, these are pretty quick. These are pretty quick. That's why it's called lightning round. You may have answered some of these questions before. Not, not a problem. And here we go. Uh, what do you want to say to Peter at the pearly gates? Can I go back to Earth? That is correct. What's the first car you ever had? Uh, Seventy-three um, Ford Maverick. That is correct. Wow. That is correct. Biggest misconception that people have about midgets. That their penis doesn't work. That is correct. Um, who do you feel like haunting someone if the opportunity comes up? Jerry Lewis. <laughs> that is that is dead on correct. First album you ever bought with your own money. Frampton Comes Alive. That is correct. Your greatest comedy achievement. Uh, rocking the comedy store on a Monday night and having Robin Williams, Richard Belzer, and Sam Kinison fighting over my services. That is awesome, and that is it, it, correct. It's it hell of awesome. Uh, yes. That was, and and that that I mean, all right. Uh, let's Bells. just pause the lightning round. Hey, yeah, let's, let's pause, pause it. Let's because pause I, it. I want to expostulate on that one. Please do. When uh, when when that happened, you know, uh, there there are so many comedians who you know uh, have to pay to play, right? Right. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, we'll give you a set, but. You got to bring twenty people, or, or you, it, you know. What I'm I know talking about, exactly right? what you're talking about. If you want to be right before the awesome comic that everybody's here to see, you better bring X number of people here, and they better be here at open. right. And there's that two drink minimum. Yep. So not only do they have to show up, they have to pay nine dollars for a watered down screwdriver. Yeah. <laughs> um, true story. And uh, no, when uh, the the greatest night. In, in my life as far as comedy was that night after seeing Jerry Lewis and writing down this bit on a cocktail napkin and debuting it for the first time uh, at the comedy store, which is such a, a legendary venue. Oh, yeah. And 
um, Paulie Shore was a very close friend of mine, and, and his mom, Mitzi, ran the place. And prior to that night, we were kind of relegated to doing, you know, that Monday night open mic night. Uh, but that day, after we came back from Vegas after seeing Jerry Lewis, I'd written down this bit. I said, hey, what if you're... And, and you know, I have to give credit to Doug Beatty. Um, he was the guy who said, I'm the poster child yeah. uh, to get us back there. And I said, hey, let's do that in our act. I'll bring you up as the poster child, okay? Mm-hmm. And I, I literally wrote it down, and I'll never forget one thing, and I still have the cocktail napkin. I haven't seen Dime One. Uh, so we go to the comedy store. It's like 9.30, and we go on stage, and I go, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the very first handicapped comedian to perform at the comedy store. He is the poster child for the Muscular Dystrophy Association. Give a warm round of applause for Doug Beatty. So Doug comes up the stage, and Mitzi actually had to put a ramp uh, for Doug to come up. And we had been doing like really awful comedy prior to that. I I used to put Doug on my lap and do the world's worst ventriloquist act. <laughs> so there's the the ramp, and Doug comes up, and uh, one of the bouncers pushed him up the thing, and he's drinking a beer. I go, wow, one of Jerry's kids drinking a beer. Uh, so let me ask you something. What do you think of Jerry Lewis? And Doug just grabs the microphone from my hand, and we'd, we'd plan this so precisely. He goes, that son of a bitch has been doing this goddamn telethon for 30 years. I haven't seen dime one. <laughs> Fuck him. Screw <laughs> him. I hate you. Goes, I go, whoa, whoa, ladies and gentlemen, wait. You have muscular dystrophy and you hate Jerry Lewis? Fuck that son of a bitch. And, and just, I mean, he <laughs> let out this huge barrage. Um, and it was fun. Then the audience is going nuts. They're, they're laughing their ass off. And they keep looking to the back of the room. And in the back of the room which we found out very quickly was <laughs> Sam Kinison, Robin Williams, and Richard Belton. <laughs> so we get off stage, and to, to get a standing ovation in the original room at the comedy store is, is a rare thing. They leapt off their feet uh, after we did this bit. So we're curious why they kept looking back. And Sam, Robin, and Richard, like, that's the most brilliant thing ever. And Sam just whips out a billfold with $100 bills and says, I want you for my act. Later, can you come up to my house? Here's a retainer. And he gives us like $1,000 bills and has this girl, Christy, that was with him, write down the address to his house. And later that night, we're a thousand dollars richer. We go up to his house, 
and Charlie Sheen is there, Slash is there. I mean, it is like a Sodom and Gomorrah party. <laughs> it is, it is, you know, and Sam sits down with us. And again, the stage persona versus the real persona. He goes, look, I, I want you as a part of this act. Um, I'm headlining the Dunes Hotel for two weeks. Uh, can we do this? And Doug's like, fuck yeah. And I'm <laughs> like, uh, yeah, of course. Well, I need you in La Jolla tomorrow. And we're like, okay. And I'll never forget, we had like a huge load of laundry to do. Um, so we had like clean clothes. <laughs> we spent the next day doing laundry and then driving to La Jolla uh, at the comedy store in La Jolla. Um, and every night we worked at all the kinks in, in the act and it, it became comedy gold. And then a few days later, we're in Las Vegas headlining the Dunes Hotel at the comedy store at the Dunes Hotel. And talk about what a dream come true is. A lot of people dream about, uh, you know, being successful and being a movie star and everything. And when you're at the crux of when Sam Kinison is making his ascension to a, a whole new wave of comedy and you're selling out every night at the Dunes Hotel, wow. Yeah. No one, no one that I know or can think of, no one can know how exhilarating that feeling was. Uh, and... It was so amazing because, you know, when you're like 15 years old and you're doing TV in some, you know, Detroit suburb, you think, all right, um, maybe I'm going to get to this place. But boom, a few years later, you're headlining in Las Vegas. And then you fast forward to... Madison Square Gardens and uh, Lenny Bruce's mom, Sally Marr, was there. Uh -huh. It was uh, a fundraiser for her. Uh, and then, you, you you know, when you step on stage at Madison Square Gardens, words cannot describe that feeling of how great it is. And then fast forward a few years later um, to be on... New Year's Eve, the best-selling pay-per-view of all time with the king of all media, Howard Stern. Wow. So. It's a uh, long right, way. Now, now, now you can go back to the lightning round. Okay. No, I, I, just want, I, I wanted to share that with you because no, no. I'll tell you something, and, and you've seen my work. Uh, yeah, it, it has been such an incredible ride that I have been on. And like I said earlier, I'm not going to let cancer beat me. I am just getting started. So, all right, back to the lightning round.
Sorry. And now back to the lightning round. Lightning round. Lightning round. Okay. Um, uh, what is your biggest unfulfilled sexual fantasy? I'm looking at all the things. <laughs> are you on like a escort? No, no, no hold on, hold on. Uh, just, no, I'm thinking. I'm just, I've had hundreds of encounters. Um, no, I did that. No, I was thinking of um, dressing up like Wonder Woman, but I did that. Um, the girl. Maybe there's just maybe there just isn't one. Maybe you've checked all the boxes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, actually, I'm I'm gonna go with that because, man. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you did Jessica Hahn and you had Justine Bateman screwing uh, Leif Garrett in your apartment. Right, like Jackson. Come on, yeah, I mean, what, no, what's they're, left? They're, I mean, uh, yeah, know. they're. Um, Unless you actually. That's that's going to be food for thought well, the next time I guest on your show well, the, um, for me to come up with that because well, no, why I, I, I it, it's I mean the the strangest thing was when Sam would send Doug hookers yeah right yeah and for whatever reason Doug wasn't into it I'd be with the hooker uh -huh. and because she was on the clock um, yeah. Yeah, no, um, no, you can you can think about it or whatever, but I mean, I think once yeah, you've had Justine yeah. Bateman and Leif Garrett making, you know, an, in your apartment, the only thing left is like I was telling you the story about the Dunes Hotel. Um, Paulie Shore, same thing happened. I'm sound asleep in my bed, and Paulie was my road buddy, um, and I wake up. And Pauly, um, back then, they had what, what was called cigarette girls. Yeah. They'd walk around and, and sell, you know, cigarettes. And gum and mints. Right, right. Little unmentionables. Uh, so I, 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 I wake up and I, I look down and I see that cigarette box, right? And I look over and Pauly is having sex with the cigarette girl. <laughs> um, that was... Uh, that was crazy, Tom. That, that was. Uh, that is correct. Okay, uh, great. Uh, Let's continue. What's the first concert you ever went to? Uh, Sean Cassidy. That is correct. What is the best pro wrestling match you ever saw? Andre versus Hogan. That is correct. Nicest thing Howard Stern ever said to you? Easy. It's going to be a quote in my book. I want to be Dave for a day. Because we were on the show, and Doug was talking about how, you know, beyond performing and everything, I had to put him on the toilet and, you know, basically uh, be like a healthcare nurse kind of guy. And as Doug was telling the story about uh, the night his ass fell out, uh, <laughs> and we were set to go to the Janet Jackson concert that night, um, and instead Doug ended up in a 
hospital. He had a rectal prolapse, which, by the way, is something oh, I don't even... Oh, my God. Don't talk about it. Okay, well... A prolapsed so, anus? Is that what you're talking about? Exactly. Exactly. And, and it, it's, it's, it's all on the Internet. You can listen to it. And it was the, the greatest thing. We're, we're in the studio <laughs> with Robin and Howard and Jackie. Um, Yipe. And D Doug is telling the story of that night. And we ended up having Doug go to the emergency room. And they actually had to put his rectum back in. Stuff it back in um, there. Yeah. And <laughs> Howard... <laughs> and this is a, a, a great insight to, uh, like, the behind-the-scenes thing. The psyche. He cuts to a commercial, and he says, Doug, are you all right? And he says, yeah, it's no problem. It's no problem. By the way, that was horrific when it happened to Doug, when <laughs> your butt yeah. falls out. Yeah, think. Right? So, so then, so then we, we come back... Uh, from commercial, and Howard says, "I want to be Dave for a day. I, I want to take care of Doug. I want to put him. I want to see what that's really because the the previous story was just so unbelievable. So, you know, out yeah, there, that's, that's, yeah, and 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 he said, you know, like I said, it's on the internet, and Dave for that day. was that was like the most greatest thing. And even to this day, if you uh, if you go to uh, uh, YouTube, and you type in Dave Lerman, pop culture. Um, ten years later, I made the World Series of Pop Culture, beat out 300,000 people to compete for a million dollars. So to promote this, I went on the Stern Show, and Howard challenged me to uh, a trivia contest, and if I won, I got $5,000. But if I lost, I would have to have sex with a transsexual named Siobhan. Yeah. Luckily, I won. But what most people, when they watch that clip, they see the rapport that me and Howard have. Um, and it's, again, Doug was never a part of, like, the whack pack where it's not, you know, Howard always treated us on an equal level. So when Doug passed away and then I went back on the Stern show, that same level of respect remained. And, you know, uh, to answer that amazing, thank you, lightning round question uh, about Howard, I want to be Dave for a day. That, to me, to this day, when... A guy as great as Howard Stern says, I want to be you for a day. Life changer. It's awesome. And I could understand where it came from and everything. But what we had done, uh, we had just taken, you know, radio to that other level. You know, when you're, you're talking about someone's ass falling out, right? Or you're putting them in a steamer trunk and leaving them on you know, the streets of New York City, that, that was comedy gold. And, and that consistently is what I do. Um, and 
it's just, and, and I, I watch my work time and time again, and I just see that there has never been anyone, to my knowledge, uh, that's done that kind of stuff. And to get back where you were saying, you go, wow, is this a bit? Um, no, no, it's not. It's all real, and it really happened. Okay. I digress. And Next that is, and that is correct. Um, okay. When they make the movie, the Dave Lerman story, who should play you? A very young Sean Penn. That is correct. Well, uh, Dave, it has been an absolutely, uh, you know. No, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Blinking, it's gone. And, and again, you got, you, got, you got some world exclusives there. I know. And again, I think that was uh, your objective, which is phenomenal. Um, I, I've said things uh, on this show that I've never shared with anyone, but that proves what a great interviewer you are. So oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to tell everybody, just go to Dave's Facebook page. It's Dave Lerman, L-E-R-M-A-N, and uh, you'll be able to find him. He's all over the place on YouTube as well. Do you have your own YouTube page, or do you just kind of put yeah, all the... Yeah, the Dave Lerman channel. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool, cool. So you... Yeah, uh, the, the, the best thing for the listeners to do is just uh, go to Facebook. It's D-A-V-E dot L-E-R-M-A-N at Facebook.com friend request me and you'll see it uh if you just uh as i'm sure you did if you scroll down you'll see this amazing visual history of what i just talked about uh and everything is for real or an, another great thing uh you could do is if you're on youtube just type in tyra tv gold and it's on my channel my youtube channel dave lerman uh and then subscribe uh that is such a great clip uh, when I beat a lie detector test on the Tyra Banks show, uh, I even amazed myself. And just the the way I did that uh, was in, in, incredible. I I I thought there was no way I could beat a lie detector test, but I went online and I studied how to beat a lie detector test, uh -huh. and I, I utilized those methods. And I ended up beating a lie detector test. And I didn't think I could do that, but I did. And it was amazing. So, yeah, um, and since you haven't uh, seen that clip, I implore you to check it out. It's called Tyra TV Gold. Uh, and, and you'll see uh, how amazing the way I work it. It's it's pretty awesome. Cool. And in closing, just want to say thank you so much. I, I have so much knowledge and education to give, and for you to give me this forum, I thank you. Oh, no problem. I mean, uh, it's been it's been great having you. You know, keep us informed on uh, how your health situation is going, because you know we can check in with you whenever we want to. And, uh, you know, don't be afraid to throw some stuff up on the Facebook page, you know, and update I always what's do, going man. on. I, yeah. hey, hey, here's, a, you know, <laughs> uh, some people have a safe word. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, when I go to the bathroom and blood comes out, yeah. that's when I hit the panic button. So luckily that hasn't happened um, recently, but uh, it's just uh, that. Um, hey, and by the yeah. way, for those of you who don't know what a prolapsed anus is, you know when you take like a shit and it comes out like, uh, oh, I don't know, the fuzzy pumper barbershop with Play-Doh coming out, just a nice extruded mass of coiling. Yeah. Well, imagine that the same thing happens only with your lower colon. There you go. There you go. Enjoy. You know, those, of no, you, right. th those of you eating, bon appetit. Um, well, anyway, yeah, wow. anyway, sir, um, uh, let's, let's make a plan to get together again in a couple months. Hey, anyway. not, 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 not a problem, not a problem, man. And I, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love, you know, for example, let's, you know, uh, put our heads together and, uh, uh, do something as a team. That would be awesome. Okay. All right. All right. That's not a problem. Um, uh, Dave, thanks. Take care, and My pleasure. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Have a, have a great day, and thank you so much. Bye-bye. Right. Hi, I'm Tom Gully, host of The Tom Gully Show, and I'm here to talk to you about email. Uh, we love getting email here at the show, and although we get a goodly amount, uh, don't get me wrong, we could always use more. So we'd like you to send in your questions about the show and anything else. Hey, boss, I got this one, you know, forget about it. Oh, hi, Vinny. Uh, folks, Vinny here does stuff for the show without being asked uh, from time to time. Vinny, what's your take on getting more people to email Tom at thetomgullyshow.com? Okay, what we do is we go out and we get a little baby, you know, cute little baby. Dang. If we don't get enough email within about five minutes, we take a pair of pliers and a blowtorch and we slowly peel the little baby's face off. Oh, no, 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 good Christ, no. We're, we're not doing something like that. What, what makes you think something like that could even work? Well, it works when you use a pregnant chick instead of a little baby. Folks, we'd appreciate it if you'd send your emails to Tom at TomGullyShow.com. like to thank Dave Lerman for appearing tonight on the Tom Gully Show. Look for him uh, soon on a TV or a radio near you. Just to have a stern show regular on our little program, well, that's a thrill because, as you know, we think Howard Stern is the guy who defined talk radio and reality programming and a lot of other cool stuff. Let's face it, without Howard Stern, that joke that you tell about a Sibian well, it'd be getting a hell of a lot less laughs at parties now, wouldn't it? Folks, we'd really appreciate it if you'd share this on your various Facebook pages. Trying to spread the word means trying to spread our little show here. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and tell a friend to do the same. We'd appreciate it if you'd like the Tom Gully Show, not me, but the show on Facebook, too, if the mood strikes you. Follow us on Twitter at Atomic Palooka as well so I can increase my clout and cred ratings and get Miriam Schlossberg to think I'm dreamy. 
That'll do it for tonight. I'm out of here. I got to go talk to some people. I'm talking to you much later. Man, we bring you in every week with The Truth Wagon by Jay Johnson. Go to jjohnsonmusic.com. And we take you out every week with Catch 22 Blues by the Hitman Blues Band. And we will see you next time. Can't lift a twig for a dog that's nothing big, but he don't want to. And the dog can't grab a cat, a raccoon can do all that, but he don't want to. And I dream of you at night while you hold your baby tight, but he don't want you. You can see it in his eyes from the